For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. Please welcome your hosts, Patrick Allen and Matt Verderam. Welcome into the Arrowhead Addict Podcast. Patrick Allen, Matt Verderam, as always. Verderam, it was Memorial Day. You went on a little a little jaunt into upper Wisconsin. How was it? It was good. It was good. Went away with my wife for a long weekend. Uh, three days. Can't complain. It was a lot of... You know, there, it's, it's really, it's a lot of God's country, frankly. And then you get to like, you know, the very tip of the peninsula and you start to kind of get in the touristy areas, whatever. But we go up there, try to go up there every year. We didn't go last year for obvious reasons, but um, it was fun. It was fun. We, a lot of like wine tastings and and then like a lot of dinners and a lot of, like, it just felt like, like, but, you know, confectionaries by the end of it, like I just, I needed to just dry out both from a wine standpoint and beer standpoint, and also like just a, a, a food standpoint, just a lot of consuming things um, mixed with like the occasional walk. So it was good. It was good. Um, they have batting cages like right up the street. So I got to go to those. And I, I always enjoy my, my once a year trip to the batting cages to see how rusty I truly am. But it was, it was fun. It was good. I can't complain. How sore were your arms the next day after taking those swings? Thankfully not. I've not reached that point in my life yet. I was able now I will say this after I played golf for the first time, I'm I'm a complete wreck for like two days. I got my back hurts, my arms hurt, everything hurts. But you know, I went to the batting cage and only took maybe 25, 30 cuts. So I was all right. I, I wasn't uh, wasn't sore. But if I had played a full 18 holes of golf. I would have been in traction for like a day and a half. <laughs> See, I get sore when I do, like if I do movements that I'm not used to doing, right? So like I'm not swinging the bat. So if I go out there and start swinging, I'm going to be sore the next day. So good on you. You got that good upper back and shoulder strength going. Um, 
So we got a lot to get to today. Uh, maybe not a lot. I don't know. It's what guys. It's June. What are we like? What do you want from us? Um, it's. But we're gonna talk. I I did acquire a box of Cosmic Brownie cereal. I've been eating it for the last week. I have thoughts. I have a CT Crunch rating on the CT Crunch scale. So we'll be getting to that. And um, I did want to say we have a. It's it's somebody's birthday today. It's not mine. It's not Verderams. But it's our guy, Hall of Famer, Emmett Thomas. He is 77 years old today, was born on uh, June 3rd, 1943 in Arlington, Texas. You know, he's one of these guys, obviously was was a coach for the Chiefs for from 2010 to to 2018. And I wonder if he is one of these guys that kind of just never really got his shot, like could have been a head coach. Because if you go back, obviously his career, absolutely incredible five-time pro bowler in 68 71 72 74 75 he was a two-time first team all pro two-time second team all pro he had an interception in super bowl three uh or super bowl four sorry that the chiefs won um and i think he how many he, he averaged like four receptions or four interceptions a year a little over four during his career i think he had 53 something like that sorry if i'm getting it wrong emmett but um Oh, 58, 58 interceptions, 937 interception yards and five touchdowns. And he played, I think, for 13 years. Not bad. Pretty good player. Uh, yeah, he was a great player. Easy choice for the Hall of Fame. And he really, and he's somebody who went to a small college, went to Bishop, Okay, uh, which is which is located down in Texas. It's historically a black college. And so this is a fun little history lesson for anyone who doesn't know. The Chiefs were really ahead of the times in the 60s in terms of, of uh, bringing in black players. It was something that the NFL had an unspoken quota system on in the 60s. You know, you, you, you always had an even number of black players if you were an NFL team in the 60s because you didn't want a black player to have to room with a white player on the road. They were very insistent about that. Um, and so the American football league had a lot more black players in the, than the national football league. Now this is not because the American football league was just a wonderfully non-racist, not color seeing league. It was because they needed talent and a lot of the best talent that was available to them was black. Now the chiefs to their credit, um, really did a phenomenal job of mining the historically black colleges and Lloyd Wells, who was a scout for the chiefs um, during Hank Stram's period of time there is the biggest reason they landed all these guys. And if you go back and look, okay, now I just, we just talked about Emmett Thomas. Okay. Otis Taylor was another one who, who is arguably a hall of fame level player. It was a great player for the chiefs, two-time all pro two-time pro bowler went to Prairie View A&M. Okay. Who was another of course, a historically black school or a player from a historically black school. Buck Buchanan was the first black player ever drafted as the number one overall pick in either league. Did it in 1963, came out of Grambling, uh, historically black college as well. The list goes on and on and on for the Chiefs. The biggest reason they won a Super Bowl and were as good as they were back then was because they were willing to draft a lot of black players from historically black colleges and Lloyd Wells is the biggest reason. If you want to talk about snubs from the hall of fame, Lloyd Wells is the biggest that comes from the chiefs organization. See, if you guys enjoy hearing Verderam talk about the history of the game as much as I do, it, it, 
it's a fascinating story the NFL and how it came together and these teams in the early days and the, you know, the, the Cleveland Rams and, and all of these teams, what was the team? What was the name of the team in Akron that only gave up the, if anybody knows it, it'll be Verderan, but they only gave up seven points in an entire season. Akron pros, I believe that might, that um, sounds right to me. Yeah. Um, by just, the way, another guy I didn't mention, uh, Willie Lanier from Morgan state. Yeah. Willie Lanier. He's, uh, yeah. Not, not bad. Okay. I mean, they, they, they found so many guys from those schools, Prairie View A&M, another one where Otis Teller was, Jim Kearney, who played for the Chiefs for a long time, uh, from 67 to 75. Like they, th- By the way, the best story out of all that, and I'm sure a lot of people already know this, back then there wasn't a common draft between the AFL and the NFL. There wasn't one until 1968, I believe. Um, I- I'll look that up real quick. But – the point I'm driving at is, so for a few years, these these teams, yeah, 68 was the first year. So for, for a lot of the 60s, the, the leagues competed for talent. Well, as the war really heated up between the two sides, it became very high stakes. And so what the, the year Otis Taylor came out, well, <laughs> you had you had this this fight between the chiefs and the Dallas Cowboys for Otis Taylor. And so the Cowboys had Otis Taylor basically sequestered in a hotel room as they're trying to sign him. This is 1965. They're trying to sign Otis Taylor. And as the story goes, the Cowboys handler for Taylor basically fell asleep in the hotel room you know, uh, Gil Brandt famously said maybe he had a little bit too much uh, liquid libation in him. Passed out. Lloyd Wells posed as a photographer for Jet Magazine, which is a, a, a black magazine back in the day. Posed as a photographer, got in there, went up to Otis Taylor and quietly said to him, look, you got to get the hell out of here. My ass is on the line. I got to sign you. They snuck him out of a hotel room window and the Chiefs were able to sneak him away and sign him. <laughs> That's, that's how they, absolutely that's how they incredible. Signed that's an incredible story. Um, so there you go. Read some of these some of these books and some of these accounts of the early days of of football. Um, a lot of really interesting stuff. A lot of history. A lot of clubs that you know lasted a year, didn't make it, folded. It's all really fascinating. But one of those players, uh, happy birthday, Emmett Thomas, who coached. From uh, he started as a coach in 1979, and he coached all the yep. way up until 2018 with the Chiefs. He he did since with the St. Louis Cardinals, with the with the Washington Football Team, with the Eagles, the Packers. He was a defensive coordinator for the Packers, the Vikings, Falcons. He was assistant head coach. Never never got the big job, unfortunately, but um, a hell of a career. Happy birthday to him! All right, we're going to take our first break, and when we get on the other side, could the Chiefs go 20 and 0? I think they can. Will they? We'll let you know what we think. This is the Airhead Addict Podcast. All right, we are back. It is June. It's June 3rd when we're recording this. Um, And (laughs) news is drying up a little bit. So we're going to do our best to keep it interesting. But our guy, Patrick Mahomes, now he he left uh, off-season activities a little early, went back down to uh, went down to Hawaii. Wish I was down in Hawaii with hanging out with Patrick Mahomes, but he's down in Hawaii. He's got a, it was a charity event with his um, his charity down there, fifteen and Mahomes, 
and he was asked a question about if there were any records he wanted to break. And he said, the only record I have my eyes set on breaking, which would be new this year, is going 20-0. and 0. It's not a record, I think, to be broken, I guess you would say, but I think 19-0 and 0 is the record right now. So being able to go 20-0 and 0 and be the first team to do that, that would be awesome. So the, 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 is the record 19-0? and 0? Is he correct in saying that? Is that an extra game? Uh, he would be he would be right twenty enough. So so the Dolphins in seventy two they played a fourteen game season, right? Yes. Yeah. So they went they went eighteen. They went seventeen. They went seventeen and seventeen and and then the Patriots went nineteen and zero, but they didn't. Well, finish they were the gonna. Game. They were gonna go. Yeah, they would okay. finish eighteen and one. Got eighteen. Okay, got it. Okay, so you know everyone's gonna jump on this kind of quote going into a season Mahomes says the Chiefs are going to go undefeated or he wants to go undefeated what do you what what do you make well first of all what do you make of uh, what do you think of him having the kind of guts to be like yeah I want I'd like to try to go 20 and 0 I mean who wouldn't but what do you what do you make of him saying it a few things number one off of our historical podcast or part of the podcast if you're looking for a book that you like to read read America's game by Michael McCambridge. It is the best football book I've ever read in my life. And as an addendum, McCambridge, can't see native, huge chief fan, and a great guy. So that's my that's my uh my my book review for the week. Now, on to Mahomes. I think it's great he wants to go 20 and 0. They're not gonna go 20 and 0, but I think that's great that he wants to go 20 and 0. He should want to go 20 and 0. Everybody in the league should want to go 20 and 0 while fully realizing it's not gonna happen. Now if you said to me, you got to bet your life, pick one team you think could do it, I mean, they would definitely be my pick. I think they're the most talented team in football. I know that the Buccaneers are Super Bowl champions. Look, I would I would bet on the Chiefs 100 times out of 100 before I bet on Tampa. And it's not because of my fandom. It's because the Buccaneers have a lot of older players. You know, look, Brady's been amazing. He's had the best career in NFL history, but he's 44. Like, I know people keep saying, oh, at some point here, the bloom is just coming off the rose. And frankly, even the last couple of years, he's not been the player he once was. So if I had to bet, for a few reasons, it'd be on the Chiefs. Number one, they have the best player in the league. Number two, they have a coach who is good enough to go on a run like that. Number three, their schedule's not hard this year. That is not a hard schedule. Now, they've got some teams on that schedule that, that are tough, like Cleveland and Buffalo and Baltimore and Green Bay. But out of those four games, Three of them are at home. So, you know, look, could you? the Chiefs are not going to be an underdog in any game this year. They're, they're not slated to be anyway at this point. The closest they come to that is week two when they're in Baltimore and they're a pick em. And if you can find me anybody who in good faith thinks the Ravens are going to beat the Chiefs heads up, let me know. Because they've played each other three times with these current teams and the Chiefs have pants them all three times. Okay? One game went to overtime. The other two games were, were killings. So I have no reason to think the Chiefs are going to lose to Baltimore. That said... Like, I look at the Chiefs, and I think they're going to win these games against Cleveland and Buffalo and Baltimore because they'll get up for those games. They'll get up for those games. Those are big games early in the year. I think the Chiefs are going to lose a couple of games. I picked them in my my fan-sided preseason where I pick every game. I picked them to go 15-2. and two. I think they're going to lose a game like at Washington or at Tennessee. Like some game that, you know, the team they're playing is decent, and that team's going to be high as hell for the game. And Kansas, it's some noon kick 
where the Chiefs never play anymore because they're always on national television, either in the late window or actually in primetime. And it's just going to be one of those sleepy, like, ah, we're in Tennessee. Who the hell cares? And Derrick Henry rushes for 160 yards, and they lose. And then you got to hear of it. Oh, well, is there a chink in the armor? And then the Chiefs will rip off like seven straight wins. That That's how I see it. When you look at it, it – it doesn't seem so we know how difficult it is, obviously, just because so many things can go wrong. It's football, it's a weirdly shaped ball, all that stuff. But when you look at them last year, I mean they re- like they went in, in my view, they went fourteen and one, right? Like that last game, throw it out. I think if Mahomes is playing, they would have beaten the Chargers. Uh, but you never know, they could have slipped up. But they they lost you know, in, in, in my view, last year they lost two games they were trying to win. That was that Raiders game and the Super Bowl, which is incredible. And this is this is the season after they won the Super Bowl, which historically teams do not make it back. They have a little bit of a Super Bowl hangover, right? So we I think we all agree that they didn't play great last year. They didn't play up to their standards in every game. They they drove us a little bit crazy, but they always found a way to win. From a mentality standpoint. How is this team different going into this season? Because for me, I feel like if there was a season where they would have a chance to go undefeated, it would be this season. Because from a mentality standpoint, you got a lot of guys coming back that are pissed off. They're pissed off that they lost the Super Bowl. They're pissed off about the way that they lost the Super Bowl. And so maybe whereas the 2020 Chiefs kind of thought like, yeah, like, uh, you know, it's all about the Super Bowl for us. We just need to get through the regular season. So they sleepwalk through some games. They turn it on. They win. Could we see a team this year that comes out just there? I think for a team to go undefeated, obviously they have to, to get a, a big stretch of, of games. But if the Chiefs come out really hot, like they go 8-0 or 9-0, I think that's what you have. You have to get to that point. Whereas in other seasons, they've come out 4-0, whatever, and then they, they right. slip up, right? They've got to go like they've got to come in hot for like the first eight weeks of the season on a mission or something like that. And if you start getting close to nine and oh, ten and oh, that's when the players start thinking about it. That's when the media starts talking, boy, these guys are really good. Can you do you see a situation where they come out and they're pissed and Mahomes is healthy and they've got this new offensive line? And if they stay injury free, they just start steamrolling people because they're they're coming in with a new level of focus. And that sets the table for a late season like conversation about them potentially running the table. Yeah, I mean, look, I I, I think is it. Yeah, let's start with this, okay? Over DraftKings, what you were talking about, obviously I was listening, but I also looked up what if there's odds on the Chiefs going just seventeen and out, just getting through the regular season undefeated, and there are. DraftKings has the Chiefs at thirty three to one, which is. Just mind-blowing. Like, 33-1, to one, that's it? So this ain't the Chiefs played the season out 33 times that there's oh, the, the one time they would go undefeated, which, okay, look, the odds are still heavily stacked against you. You're not going to do it. But that's outrageous. But that basically implies that there's a 3 to 4% chance they're going to go undefeated, which, by the way, to put that into context, that's better than the odds that the Cardinals, Vikings, Steelers, Titans, Bears, football team, Falcons, Giants, Panthers, Raiders, Eagles, Jaguars, Bengals, Jets, Lions, and Texans have to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> that's I, unbelievable. I mean, that's how crazy that is. 
33 to 1 is the same odds the Chargers have to win the Super Bowl. And a lot of people think the Chargers are a sleeper to go there. Like, yeah. that's how ridiculous. By the way, if you're wondering who the uh, top dog is, Kansas City is 5 to 1 to win the Super Bowl over at DraftKings. The Bills are the next closest team in the AFC, 13 to 1, which means if Kansas City was twice as bad, they'd still be the favorite to go to the Super Bowl in the AFC. Uh, Those are good. I mean, I would still put money on uh, five to one. It, it, you're getting five to one odds on Mahomes and the Chiefs. I'm, you know, listen. I, I'm not. I, <laughs> I'll put I don't fifty gamble. bucks on that. I was going to say I don't really gamble on the NFL because I just feel like in my position it's 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 unscrupulous. But if I if I didn't feel that way, I'd throw two hundred dollars down to one thousand. Yeah, I feel good. Yeah. I feel, feel pretty. Any, it's pretty good investment. I mean, to win the Super Bowl, and certainly I'd bet on to get there. Because, by the way. Denver being twenty-five to one equal with Seattle is just a mind-blowing number. It's the Rogers like, rumors. It's like of course and, it is. Yeah, yeah. But like, my God, like what? I, I like. There's that's a sucker's bet all day. They're just cashing in on people who think he's going to be in Denver. Um. All right. So back to the question. I just wanted to throw out the values just to kind of give people an idea. So, look, I I think is there is there a a world where they just come out furious and they're wrong. Yeah. Like, first of all, Mahomes has never lost a game in September. So history says they're going to be pretty damn hard to beat in September. And that is when a lot of their hardest games are played. They start out with Cleveland, Baltimore, get the chargers. Like, so sure. Um, and again, I picked them to go 15 and two. Like, I, I think they're going to be very good. And we talked about this, I believe, on the podcast last time. I believe this will be the best offense they've had with Mahomes. Um, which, by the way, would mean it's the best one they've ever had, period. They averaged 34.8 points a game his first year as a starter. I don't even know that they'll hit that number. I mean, that number is just outrageous. But I just think in terms of, like, they will be the hardest to stop because they're going to be able to pound the ball with this offensive line. They're going to have so much balance. Mahomes is at the peak of his powers, as is Kelsey, as is Hill. Hardman should be, you know, coming into his own. Like, I just feel with this offensive line, this team is just going to be ruthlessly efficient. It is going to be a team that is constantly in second and four and second and five. And if they're in that, forget it. Like, you're just not going to stop them with the ability they have to throw. I believe with the ability they're going to have to run. Mahomes is a constant ability to always get six when he needs five. Like, I think they'll be the best offense they've ever had. Defensively, I think they're at least as good. Like, I'd like them to bring back Breland, who they might still bring back. He's still out there. That they brought in Jerron Reed. Like, Doug Farrar over at USA Today had a great post or a great piece about who the best defensive lineman is in each gap. So, you know, the, the, the one gap, the two gaps, so on and so forth. We don't have to break down which is which. But Jerron Reed was the best player in his gap last year, and so was Chris Jones. So that's good news on the interior. He's still Frank Clark. I, I just think ultimately it's so hard. Like, there's a reason only one team has ever gone undefeated and untied. 72 Dolphins. That's it. And it, it is just – it is so hard. But – Look, if the Chiefs get past week five undefeated, because at that point they'll have played again. They'll have played um, the, the Browns week one, then they play the Ravens, and they play the Chargers, then they get to uh, give me with the Eagles, and then they're, they're home against Buffalo. 
if they get past those games, then I think it at least becomes kind of a fun, interesting conversation because after that, Washington, Tennessee, the Giants, Packers is a real tough game. Raiders on Sunday Night Football, Dallas, a bye week, Denver, the Raiders, at the Chargers, the Steelers, the Bengals, the Broncos. I mean, most of those games I just ripped off, save for maybe at the Chargers on a Thursday night and the Packers. The Chiefs are going to be heavy favorites in every one of those games. Now, they were a heavy favorite when they lost to the Raiders last year. So it happens. But they will be a very – they'll be a touchdown plus favorite every single one of those games. But, you know, look, it, it's hard. You got to do it every week. You got to you gotta be healthy. It's just it's a lot. There's a lot that has to fall into place. Health is the big thing, right? I mean, that's, that's it. And we're going to talk about some injury concerns we might have or that I have anyway later on in the podcast. Let's take our last break. Let's get it done early. And on the other side, Alex Smith was interviewed recently. He was talking about this Aaron Rodgers situation. I'd like to talk a little bit about that. And we're going to talk about how it relates to the Chiefs and their ongoing relationship with the franchise, Patrick Mahomes. We'll be right back. All right, we are back. I always say, like, we come back from a break, and I'll, I'll say, this is the Airhead Addict Podcast. Like, they don't know what they're listening to. Sometimes I say it going into a break. I don't. I feel like I just I need to say something that, like, it's final. We're going to break. Um, By the way, check out that uh, tweet I just dropped you. Oh, I'm pulling it up right now. Let's see what we got here, everybody. Uh... So it's it's just a little oh, action. Yeah. And then at the ten second mark, the last like Orlando Brown goes in for the celebration with Hill and I think almost kills him. Oh no. Oh no. No, don't jump. Don't don't oh god. Oh, god. <laughs> Josh. You got, yeah. Yeah. That's what that's... happens when you when you're three hundred and sixty some odd pounds and you jump into Tyree Kill, who literally weighs half that. And by the He's way, gotta be Kill careful. Is fine. But yeah. <laughs> he just crushed him. Yeah, that's that that makes me nervous. Those guys got those big fellows get excited, but uh yeah, no. <laughs> What's amazing is if you watch at the beginning of that clip, he's jogging in and Joe Tooney's next to Joe Tooney looks like his kid. Yeah. Yeah. This is this is on the Chiefs official account, everybody. OTAs yeah. are the perfect time to see what works and what doesn't on the field, celebrations included. So so check that out. Um it was That's posted hilarious. at 10, 1030 on June 3rd. Um, yeah, really hilarious. Like, glad glad Tyreek's okay. But, you know, they just it would just be the Chiefs' luck that, like, you know, Tyreek falls down and smacks his head on the ground, gets a concussion. Because he, he – there's no net there. I mean, he, he's, he goes straight back. It's well, like he jumped into a brick wall, which he pretty much did. Uh, and that's what I, we're hoping for out of Orlando Brown this season. Um Great clip. All right, so let's talk about this this interview that Alex Smith did. He was just asked about the the Rogers situation, and it really it turned out to be like what a, what a lot of people were calling a great PR interview for the Chiefs because they asked him about Rogers and how they handled it. And so I think it was the Dan Patrick show. Um, and then they asked him, "Well, hey, how like how did the Chiefs did the Chiefs tell you before they drafted?" And if if you don't know what I'm talking about. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers is very disgruntled with the Packers, says he wants out. And a lot of it seems to stem from the fact that a couple years ago, they took Jordan Love in the first round instead of help for their Super Bowl contending team and help for Rodgers. So, um, and they didn't tell him about it. 
He didn't know. They just drafted this guy. Um, so the question was, you know, what, what did the Chiefs do when they took Mahomes? Did they tell you that they were doing it? And here's what Alex Smith said. He said, absolutely. That had been communicated the entire offseason leading up to that. The entire offseason by multiple, multiple people. Everybody in the personnel department, Coach Reed constantly. There were multiple phone calls about what was happening. That happened when we drafted Cap with Coach Harbaugh when he was in San Francisco. I know well. I knew well in advance what the team was thinking, the route that they were going to go, and I think that makes a difference. It does, honestly. In Aaron's case, going out of your way to let him know what the how the team feels about him, how the organization feels about him, how important he is, and that potentially they're thinking this route and explaining their thinking clearly from an outside looking in, it didn't happen and it didn't take place. So first of all, Alex Smith was, this was just, this was, the Chiefs did this out. They respected the hell out of Alex Smith, right? Yes. Alex Smith, and and the same thing with with the 49ers. Anybody who who you ever hear talk about Alex Smith just raves about the guy and what a professional he is. But both of these teams did with a guy who was not on the level of a Rodgers or Mahomes. He wasn't the franchise, you know, they're drafting quarterbacks for a reason, right? Um, what, <laughs> what are the, what were the Packers thinking here to not involve Aaron Rodgers and, and, and say, and I think like, here's the thing, these athletes unfairly get called prima donnas a lot of the time. And I think that in a situation like this, it's, you know, you get fans on there and they're, they're always taking the side of ownership and rich billionaires for some reason I don't understand, but they're like, oh, well, you know, it's business and they need to look out for the future of the team, which I think Aaron Rodgers understands that. I think the idea here is that, like, if you come to me, like, let's have a conversation about it. It shows me that you value me right now and everything I've done for this franchise. I've brought this franchise tons of money. I brought this franchise a Super Bowl championship. And you just, like, you go and make this massive move without even consulting me. I'm the leader of this team. What are these teams thinking when they when they do this stuff? Well, in this case, not much. Um, sometimes players are prima donnas and sometimes, you know, that, that is a totally fair characterization of a a way guy acts. And also look, fans root for ownership in these skirmishes because they root for the laundry. They root for the, they root for the team and the team is represented by ownership. Players are transient ownership runs the team, so on and so forth. That said, well, Aaron Rodgers has every right to be pissed that they didn't explain to him that they were going to draft quarterback. Okay. And there's been this story floating out there, this narrative that like, well, they thought they were going to take a, a receiver like Justin Jefferson. And then he got picked. Excuse the language. That is the biggest load of bullshit on the face of the earth. There is, if they, if that's true, the Packers should fire Brian Gutekunst. Okay. You don't go into a draft looking at receivers and then go, ah, didn't get him. That quarterback, like nobody does that. Jordan Love was a target the entire time, and fine. I don't have any beef with the Packers taking him. However, as Alex Smith pointed out, and we obviously know more about this than I would, he lived through it, but he had the exact same take I would have had. You can draft the guy, you've got to tell him. You've got to give him a heads up. And the Chief, by, by Alex Smith's account, did everything right by talking to him multiple times throughout the process, letting him know, hey, look, this is where we're at, Alex. This is what's going on. 
That's what we're thinking. And you know what? I'm sure Alex Smith didn't love that. I'm sure he didn't appreciate that he was going to get replaced. But, you know, there's professional courtesy there. And he, you know, and, and the Chiefs worked to send him to a good spot. He went to Washington before he got hurt. They were good. They were in first place, right? Like, and he got paid, by the way. Got a huge contract when he went to Washington. The Chiefs did right by Alex Smith. They put a good team around him and traded him out and did right. With Rodgers, maybe Rodgers still would have been really pissed and thrown a hissy fit. And, but then the Packers could have at least said, hey, come on, what do you want from us? You know, we're, we're trying to do this thing right. Like, there's going to be a day the fan side is going to can me. And, you know, they're going to be right to do it. (laughs) But I would hope they just give me the heads up. Like, hey, Ferdinand, listen, after this year, we're done with you. Okay, fine. Um, No, in all seriousness, though, they deserve deserve criticism for not telling Rodgers what they were going to do. They don't owe him any any opportunity to make personnel decisions. Like, Rodgers shouldn't have input in who they draft. But they do owe him the heads up and the courtesy of, hey, look, Aaron, look, we're thinking about doing this. This is what we're, we're you know, leaning toward. Here's why. It's not to replace you tomorrow. It's just to have a, an insurance policy in place because you're getting up there in age. At that point, if he can't understand that and he's pissed about that, that's on him. But they didn't do that by all accounts, and they deserve a lot of crap for it because that that is an obvious move, right? Like the Steelers – if they now they haven't done it, but if they were going to go first round, take somebody to replace Roethlisberger, they should give him courtesy. The same was true all those years with Drew Brees. If the Saints had decided to do that, um, you know, I, you know Brady, you know, if if the Pats had drafted first round quarterback, like, those types of guys deserve to know. And and I don't blame Rodgers for being pissed off. They didn't know. I really think most people would be reasonable in this situation. I think Rodgers, as you said, wouldn't have liked it, right? Let's get a receiver. Let's get more help for the offense, whatever. But, like, he would have understood. I mean, that's how he came into the organization. And I think it's just when it, when it, when it gets to a point where you feel like you're getting stabbed in the back or they just don't care what you think. And, and so I want to move this on away really from the Packers, but to the way that the Chiefs do business. Now, it seems like under, under Reed and under, under Dorsey and Brett Veach, Everything was handled exactly how it should have been with with Alex Smith, who had given a lot to the organization, who had got them back to winning, got playoff experience for these guys. So as Patrick Mahomes continues to to age at twenty years, twenty five years from now, hopefully, when when he's nearing the end of his career. Like twenty to twenty five years. Twenty to twenty five. Wait, is he twenty four? So yeah, why not? Look at Brady's forty-four. Um, let's let's uh, you know medical sports science. He's going to be getting treated well. Uh, I mean, you saw Brady when he came out. Mahomes is in way better shape yeah. than Brady. So uh, that but, you know, it, realistically, right? Fifteen years, you, you're getting on, and if he's still playing at a, a reasonably high level, the organization is going to change. Like I don't, Andy Reid's probably not going to be with the Chiefs at the end of Patrick Mahomes' career, right? That that would be uh, no. almost like impossible. He'd be in his 80s. Um, so what – do you worry about some, like, hot shot, young GM comes in if Veach is gone or, you know, those types of things or a coach that is going to blow up this relationship at the end? Like, there is – I do not want to see Patrick – I don't care <laughs> – 
I, if he stinks, I do not want to see Patrick Mahomes wear another team's jersey ever. Ever. So, near to why. Um, so, Veach is 43 years old. Okay, quick, quick wiki search lets me know that. Um, so, here's the good news. Mahomes is like Veach's son, all right? I mean, he was he is a claim to fame, even though Dorsey technically drafted him. Veach, of course, scouted him. Right? There's a real chance that Veach is still there throughout Mahomes' entire career, right? Like, now I'm not saying that's even likely because things happen and guys move on, and things, but it's certainly possible. Like, Brett Veach is 43, okay, and he's done a great job. So it's certainly, like, if, if, if Veach wants to be there and they keep winning like this, like, he'll be there. Um Andy will not be. I mean, Andy's 64, I think. So that would that's not happening. Um, history tells you, and, and the odds tell you, he'll end up playing somewhere else for a year or two. And, I, and you know, that'll be very difficult. But that's usually a thing. So, although not always. I mean, we've seen, look, Breeze, now Breeze played the Chargers early in his career. He, you know, played, he finished with the Saints. Roethlisberger's finishing with Pittsburgh. So, can happen. I think the most important thing, and it is always the most important thing in professional sports, win. Keep winning. Because if you keep winning, everybody's happy. The Chiefs will pay Mahomes. Like, I'm, not, I'm not worried about that. Like Kansas City will always pay him. They, they just gave him half a, a billion dollars. Okay, they'll pay him. Um, the one thing that is interesting with Mahomes that, that bodes well for Kansas City always keeping him he is in a very unique way at a very young age, really put long-term investments into Kansas City. I mean, he owns part of the Royals. You know, he is he is someone who I could see him being somebody who is always like throughout his life involved with the Chiefs. I could see him being someone who works in 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 the in the organization, you know, like He's just somebody who is his whole life, and I don't, of course, I'm not discounting like his family and stuff like that, but his whole life football, much like Brady's whole life is football. Like, I, I just, there are certain guys when they retire, like, I don't see Aaron Rodgers working in football. I just don't. He'll go on, he'll do other stuff. Like, he has so many interests. I, I just don't think he'll do that. Mahomes strikes me as the kind of person that could buy like 2% of the Chiefs or 3% of the Chiefs and just be part of it, like, for the rest of his life. Like, I just, I could see him doing that. And so maybe at that point, if you get toward the end of this, you know, the end of the line, maybe you just say, look, I, it's just worth it more for me to just stay here and not go anywhere. But keep winning. If you keep winning, if you keep putting good players around him, he's not going to go anywhere. He's not going to want to go anywhere. Like, why does Deshaun Watson want out of Houston? Because they stink. Why do, why do the Packers screw this up well because they they didn't communicate with him i'm not that worried with the chiefs the way they're handling his career to do that but keep winning keep giving the guy a fair contract you have nothing to worry about the packers are generally regarded as a very well-run organization that's what scares me that they could make this kind of blunder um but it happens it only takes one person being in charge you bring in a Scott Pioli, candy bar wrapper obsessed person. <laughs> and then you end up with, yeah. you know, bad things happening. And, and that's, and these relationships, they can go sour. You know, I'm, I, you guys know I'm from Northeast Ohio. I'm a Cavs fan. And I, I'll tell you, Dan Gilbert, when they drafted LeBron, 
when he his first stint in Cleveland, he ran the place. I mean, his people, his entourage could come and go as they pleased. They went and got people LeBron wanted to get. And Dan Gilbert, like, had LeBron over to his house, to his vacation home. He was like family. And, you know, and LeBron left. And as he had every right to do. But I think that, like, when, when Dan Gilbert wrote that stupid letter in the Comic Sans and all that stuff, I think that was part of why he was extra upset was he felt like he had, you know, done everything right. Right, like let LeBron do what LeBron wanted. He was the franchise, and you know he left. Um, so I think the Chiefs have a great, a great relationship with Mahomes. It seems like, and you're right, he has put down roots in the community. I think his fiance Brittany Matthews also has a bought into like she bought a soccer team. Soccer team. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So and she was a former soccer player as well. I think she played yep. in college um, too. Yeah. So that's really interesting and. Um, and we're just going to have to see how it goes. Right now, just enjoy the good times. Uh, let's not spend too much time talking about the, the twilight of, of Patrick Mahomes' career and, and his time in Kansas City because hopefully that's uh, hopefully I'll be starting to think about retirement when we start getting into, the, into that territory. Um, and they don't screw up this, this relationship. It's going to be, it's going to be, there's going to be highs and lows. They're not always going to be the absolute best team in football. They're going to have to do some mini rebuilds and stuff. But if this offseason – is any indication of how they handle, oh, we've got a problem, let's fix it. They're in really great hands with Brett Veach, I can tell you that much. Listen, this is why early in free agency, the Chiefs missed on Trent Williams and they they missed on Juju Smith-Schuster despite strong offers. And people were freaking out about Veach. And we we talked in this podcast. I just said, I I don't understand it. Like, I just don't, look, I get get the consternation, you want to get better, fine, all that. He has a proven track record of being very aggressive to the point that some fans actually feel like he's overly aggressive in trading picks and everything else. The Chiefs, think about it this way, okay? So in 2018, they got the AFC title game. They had a great offense. The defense was terrible. It's why they didn't get to the Super Bowl. Veach could have very easily said, you know, Sacks like Steven Nelson is a, is a good corner, right? Like they could have a whole litany of, of excuses, and they could have said, "Well, let's make some tweaks." They annihilated the defensive side of the football. They got rid of everybody. Ford traded. Houston let go. Nelson left to walk. Like they went out and changed everything about that defense. They drafted Thornhill. They signed Tyron Matthew, who everybody would say, "Well, it's a slam dunk now." A lot of people did not think they were going to get the Tyron Matthew they're getting. He had, he was coming into his third team in three years. Okay, he's been a godsend. A lot of people back then thought they were going to sign Landon Collins, okay, who got twice the amount of money that Tyron Matthew did. Who would you rather have? So they go out and they get Matthew. They went out and they traded for Frank Clark, which was that's been up and down at times. They would never have won the Super Bowl that year without Frank Clark. They. They had they completely rebuilt that thing. They brought in Spagnolo. They brought in a whole another you know coaching staff on that side of the football. Then they won the Super Bowl. They ran it back. They were the best team in football all year long. Offensive line gets decimated. They get blown out. Very much so. Veach could have come back and said, "You know what? We're going to bring back Eric Fisher. We you know we'll deal with the injury early on in the year. We're gonna we're gonna." You know, bring back Mitchell Schwartz if he wants to be here, which who knows, maybe he even does come back. But as of right now, he's not in the team. 
they could have just kind of said, hey, we're going to piecemeal staying. We'll draft a guy or two. The Chiefs went out, traded for Orlando Brown. Both of you and I sat here and said, there's no way in hell they're going to be able to do that. And, and we weren't the only ones because who the heck thought the Ravens would do a trade like that? Well, they did. The Chiefs went out, signed Kyle Long, signed Joe Tooney to a record-setting deal, drafted Creed Humphrey, signed Austin Blythe. Like, he, he threw like a nuclear bomb at the situation. So I look at the Chiefs and say, as long as Veach is there, they will be aggressive in how they attack these things, which even is why, like, not to stoke these flames, but my understanding is the Chiefs just don't believe it's feasible to get Julio Jones because of the money. The reason I'm not, like, all in on reporting that is because this front office has a history of just being like, eh, we'll figure it out. Like, I don't my, – my strong inclination, and, and, and it's from talking to people around the situations that they just financially don't think they can make it work. But if they extend Tyron Matthew tomorrow and they clear up $12 million in space, like, would I, would I totally bet against them just saying, you know what, we'll give it a shot? Like, they have shown that they just go all in. That's what they do, and I think it's, it's worked. And if you're Mahomes or any player on that team, you've got to love that. You've got to love that. You've got a front office who's like, no, you know what, guys? It's on us. We're going to pour an ungodly amount of resources. And if you're Mahomes, my God, we're better than the offensive line. You know how nice that's got to be for him walking out there and looking at his left, and it's Orlando Brown and Joe Tooney. And potentially up the middle, you got a stalwart now if Creed Humphrey pans out. And, oh, by the way, you've got Long or Trey Smith or uh, or Duvernay Tardif at right guard. And then over at right tackle, you've got Niang or Remmers or maybe even Mitchell Schwartz. Like, if you're Mahomes, that's a real di- good way to k- keep him playing into his 40s and keep him in red and gold. Yeah, it sure is. And with the Julio Jones stuff, and I don't want to beat that dead horse too much because there's, there's nothing to report right now. I was just talking with some folks on Twitter yesterday, and I said, you know, it occurred to me that I I didn't hear a whisper of the Chiefs going after Orlando Brown. No, nobody did. And you're you're as tied in as anybody. Like there, there was some some people were like, well, there's rumored interest. Like, of course, there's interest, but like there were no Adam Schefters, there were nobody out there, no Matt Verderham saying, I'm here. The Chiefs are making a run. The Chiefs are involved, and I was doing the inspection on on my house. And my phone yeah. just started blowing up. And I said, what the hell? I'm looking at this and I'm like, what? No. I, I was not prepared. And so I like this Julio Jones stuff, there's a lot of teams being thrown around as being interested. I'm not saying the Chiefs are going to get them. I'm saying don't be surprised if you're just sitting here today or tomorrow or something. And they're like, the Chiefs traded for Julio Jones and they traded a first round pick and McCole Hardman or something crazy. Like, don't be surprised because it sounds like Brett Veach keeps things pretty well under wrap. No, listen, that was <laughs> that was a shocking trade. You know, a lot of times with the Chiefs, I remember last offseason, you know, Nate Taylor with The Athletic, myself, we both were reporting consistently, look, you know, with Chris Jones and, and how the Chiefs valued him. And I remember I wrote a piece back in January, end of Jan- January, late, early February, right around there. I wrote that four years, 80 million, that's what you should expect. I mean that was that was born out of multiple sources, but yes, certainly. While I cover the whole league and I, and I do have sources around the league, you know, I've I've written about the Chiefs coming up in my career, so 
you know, I, I definitely um, am, am attached more to them, I guess you could say, than anybody else. Um, and certainly do, you know, try to glean insight with them when I can. And that was one, though, that no, I don't think any of us knew that was coming. That was something that, and as I, I wrote about and talked about later on, you know, I found out through, through sources that that trade had been the works for two weeks. The Kansas City had been working on trading for Orlando Brown for two weeks. And I could tell you, um, while there's immense respect for, from both organizations, both ways, Baltimore, Kansas City, I think even the Chiefs were a little bit surprised. To be totally honest. They, they, and and that, that part is a little bit of me kind of reading between the lines. Nobody flat out told me that, to be, to be very upfront. But reading between the lines, I think the Chiefs kind of were a little surprised that Baltimore traded with them. But at the end, look, the Ravens got the best package they could get for them. It so happened to be from Kansas City. Now, I'm of the belief that I wouldn't have traded him to Kansas City if I were the Ravens. I would have taken a little bit less to send him somewhere else. But the Ravens felt like, look, we're going to get the best we can get for him, and the Chiefs offered the best. So fine and fair enough. But it was it was stunning. It was it was absolutely out of nowhere. Anyone who says that they knew that was coming is a stone-cold liar. Nobody knew that was coming. So moving on to just the wide receiver depth before we get out of here. The reason why a lot of Chiefs fans and a lot of Chiefs, um, you know, uh, why the Chiefs themselves, looking at a guy like Juju Smith-Schuster, are interested in in that depth is obviously, look, you got these guys like Brian Pringle and you've got McCole Hardman and you've got, um, uh, oh, Jesus, who am I forgetting? The guy that'll probably Demarcus Robinson. Sorry, <laughs> totally blanked out. Um, you've got these guys, but they're not—they're not people that you're. They're not like slam dunks. They're going to be great. You want more depth there because, and this is a worry that I—I I think a lot of Chiefs fans have, and I have. God forbid, and I know I'm going to get a bunch of people tweeting that don't you put that evil on me gif from from Talladega Nights, but God forbid. Tyreek Hill or Travis Kelsey gets lost for the season. Oh, they're screwed. You think they're screwed? Screwed. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. Yes. I mean, they would still be a playoff team. They'd still win the division, I, I believe. But yeah, because then you just double one of the other guys, and that would be ball game. Yeah, if they lose Travis Kelsey or Tyreek Hill, they're screwed. Like there are certain guys you just can't lose. Those two guys, they, look, they could get by if they had to do it for a month in the regular season or something. Like if somebody had like a high ankle sprain, or they, could, they could figure it out. But no, so I like McCall Hardman and Demarcus Robinson, fine, fair enough. Now they're they're done. If, if either one of those guys gets hurt and come playoff time, they just can't survive. They, listen, they can survive certain injuries. And anybody other than maybe a Mahomes, they could survive for a couple weeks, whatever. Mahomes, Kelsey, Hill, Tyron Matthew, in my opinion, Chris Jones. Um, trying to think of somebody, just make sure. A couple of the offensive linemen, they are screwed if those guys are hurt long-term. And for the record, that's not a failure of, of building the roster. Every team has guys like that. If Stephon Diggs gets hurt for the Bills, they're screwed. Cole Beasley ain't scaring anybody in January, okay? If Josh Allen gets hurt, Tredavious White gets hurt for them. They, you know, uh, they got a Milano. They're screwed. You know, the Buccaneers. I mean, everybody's quarterback, so Brady goes without saying. But, like, if they lose some of their linebackers, right, like the David and 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 White, or if, if they lose, um, 
I don't know. Yeah, I, I, Evans or Godwin. I mean, they, you're screwed. Like, there are certain guys that, that you just don't overcome it. And again, you can overcome it if you're a really good team like the Chiefs are for three weeks, four weeks. You can do it. You can peach mill together. You can figure it out. You can, you can beat bad teams without one of those guys, right? Like, but if they got to January and they didn't have those guys, they would be up a creek. They'd be in a very, very tough position. And that's why a team like the the Bucks, who went all in, that you know, you're looking at that offense and you're like, oh man, they've got Godwin and they've got Evans. Like these guys are incredible. And now they've they've got they bring in Gronk and they bring in Antonio Brown. And there's and there's a reason why. And it's because injuries happen. And it can help you keep winning. And I think Brady's at a stage in his career where he's not going to be running around back there making too many plays happen. So he needs somebody to throw the ball to him. We saw what happened in New England when he didn't have that. And as great as Patrick Mahomes is, and you're right. Yeah, they'll win. They'll make the playoffs. They'll they'll be able to beat teams. We've watched them do it. Tyreek Hill has been hurt before, right? Like, no Sammy Watkins. Like, they, they could still beat the teams that they're supposed to beat, probably. But... Yeah. When it comes to the playoffs, when it comes to going up against the Browns or the Bills or they're in the Super Bowl and they're playing Aaron Rodgers and the Packers or something like that, and and, and teams are selling out and they're good, you've got a problem. And so for all the Chiefs fans out there who are like, Julio Jones is always hurt, which is not true. Look up how many games he plays every season. And, and, and oh, it's, well, you don't want to give up the draft picks. I'm telling you, man, like if, if they can do it, they should. Because I I do think they really need, and maybe it's not Julio Jones. You know, maybe they trade for somebody else. There are a lot of other wide receivers in the league who are good, who maybe the Chiefs could target. Can um, Bill O'Brien trade us DeAndre Hopkins? Oh yeah, because I'm willing so to in, do that. Get 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 on the get on the phone, uh, Arizona, and uh, <laughs> God Almighty. Yeah, that's incredible. Beach must have wanted to throw himself out a window when he saw that trade. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sure he was happy he went to the NFC, but my God, Beach was like, Mike, call us. We would have given you a first. Do you think I, Bill O'Brien would have been dumb enough to trade DeAndre Hopkins to the Chiefs? There are no bounds to what Bill O'Brien might do. <laughs> like, I don't I don't want to put limits on Bill O'Brien. Okay? It's a travesty he's no longer – can he? Can the Raiders bring him in? Like, if Mayock's gone after this year, can the Raiders bring him in as, like, GM? Oh, that would be that would be fantastic. Can we please bring him in? Or like if the Broncos, like if they stink this year and they part ways with Fangio, how about just bringing in Bill O'Brien? Just let him get involved. <laughs> oh, you know, I, God, I wonder that would if, be like, hilarious. if the other three teams in the AFC South held like a moment of silence after they fired him. Um, oh, God, unbelievable. But, you know, I'll say this, and this is really the last one I have on it. Um, I'll make a left turn here. But it, I, I promise I'm coming full circle. I learned – all right, so I'm 32 years old. I've watched sports almost my entire life. And I can remember back at five years old, six years old, being really into sports, okay? And I grew up in New York, for everyone who I'm sure can tell, either from my accent or just from knowing, from hearing me for, over the years. I grew up a diehard Knicks fan. And my Knicks bowed out in five last night to the Hawks. The Knicks overachieved, okay, a great season. The reason they lost to the Hawks in the end was because they don't have the star power. They just don't. Trey Young was the best player in the series. You're an NBA fan. You know who he is. Okay. Julius Randle is going to be an all-NBA forward for the Knicks this year. He was great, but he's not a number one option. He's probably a number two option. He might even be a really good number three, but he's probably number two. But they didn't have the star power. When they needed a shot, when they needed a play, they couldn't get it. And that's why they lost that series. Okay. Now, 
I'm also a New Jersey Devils fan in hockey. The Devils right now are absolute just dog crap. Okay, they stink. But a lot of my life growing up, they were really, really good. You can make an argument the best organization in the sport. They won three Stanley Cups in nine years. They went to five finals. Okay, they, they were ridiculous. They had a lot of guys who knew their role really good, like the Dan Sorensen types, the Juan Thornhill types, right? The reason the Devils won three Stanley Cups was because they had the best goaltender, in my opinion, who ever lived in Marty Brodeur. Okay, they had two Hall of Fame defensemen in front of him. And when that team got a lead, they shut you down. And that was it. And it was because of those guys. The Devils, the last year they won the Stanley Cup, there's 82 games in a regular season in hockey, for those who don't know. The Devils entered the third period, the final period of a game, leading 41 times. They won 41 times. When that team got up, it was over. Brodor was going to make the save. Scott Stevens and Scott Niedemeyer were going to shut you down. Now, to bring that back to the Chiefs, the Chiefs, before Mahomes got there under the Andy Reid era, they were really good. They were really talented. A lot of the same guys that are there now. But they couldn't quite get over the hump. And then they got Mahomes. And guess what? They got over the hump. And they went to the Super Bowl again last year. My point is, you win in pro sports with stars. You do. Now, you need good players around those guys. Okay? That's what elevates you from a good team to a great team. You need the star player. The Bills are really good. Josh Allen's a really good player. He's a really good quarterback. He's a star player. Mahomes is a generational talent. And when they got in the AFC Championship game, one guy torched the crap out of the other team, and the other guy didn't. The the difference was, in the end, Allen couldn't play as well because the Chiefs limited Stephon Diggs and he had nowhere else to go. And the Bills couldn't stop Kelsey and Hill. They just could not stop them. Mahomes kept hitting them. They kept getting huge plays after the catch. That was it. And so if the Chiefs end up deciding in the end where they don't decide how they don't feel right now, but if they decide, hey, look, you know, we feel like we can afford him, get him. You win with stars. Look, McCole Hardman is a good player, and he's an important player to them, okay? But you're not winning a Super Bowl because of McCole Hardman. You're winning because of Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes. And if you, those guys are the son of your solar system. Those are the good players. Hitchens, Hardman, some of the offensive linemen, they're your, they're your planets. But guys like Tyron Matthew, he's the son of your solar system. Guys like Chris Jones, the, the son of your solar system. You need the sun. You need the sun or everything else dies around it, right? You win championships with star players. And that's why the Chiefs have been so aggressive in landing star players. Guys like Orlando Brown, by the way. That's why they've been so aggressive in keeping their star players. So many extensions that we've seen over the last couple of years. That's how you win. It is how you win in every sport. And don't ever let somebody tell you different because it's garbage. That is how you win. And we saw in the Super Bowl run the importance of a player like Sammy Watkins, who they do not win the Super Bowl without, I'm convinced. You need other guys to step up. Is Demarcus Robinson a guy that's going to be able to step up for them when teams try to take away Kelsey and Hill? Is it going to be Byron Pringle? Is it going to be McCole Hardman? Who's it going to be? But they better they better start demonstrating. You know, some of these guys have been around, right? Now, Demarcus Robinson's going to be great value from where he was picked and what he's brought oh, to the yeah. Chiefs, yeah. right? McCole Hardman, it's, it's put up or shut up time. We'll see. 
we'll see. There's still a long way to go. A lot of things that could happen and a lot of roster changes that could, could happen between now and when the Chiefs really need all hands on deck. All right. We've got one listener review from our guy, Clint McKenzie, PR manager for the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. Um, he says over on Apple Podcasts in his five-star review, fan-sided-tastic. Uh, look, this is the best, most entertaining Chiefs podcast feed out there. If you don't listen to every episode, you are failing at Chiefs fandom. Don't be a loser. I agree. Patrick and Matt, I have a question for you. What is your confidence level in Harrison Butker? With the team once again poised to create fireworks on offense, Butker's intermittent struggles have been somewhat ignored. Granted, the team will likely not find itself in a plethora of tight games next season. Still, one shank can make a difference in seeding or even winning or losing a championship. Thanks, gentlemen. I'll kick us off here. I'm not worried about Harrison Bucker right now. I Last year, he had a rough patch. It was a weird year, but it seems like an aberration for his career. Now, if he comes out, well, listen, he's on a shorter leash this year than he was before because of last year. If he comes out and he's shanking kicks early on, the Chiefs are going to bring in a kicker. That's that's just that's what's going to happen. But if he comes out and he's back to being steady, he works out some of the mechanical or focus issues, whatever it was that was causing him to miss those kicks. I I think he's one. Of, I think he's talent wise one of the best kickers in the league. I think he's going to be fine this season. Yeah, I tend to think so. I tend to think so. Um, you know, look, I. I believe in Butker. Um, he he's a very very good kicker who had a weird year. I don't even know if I call like I guess you kind of have to say it's a bad year, but like at times he was phenomenal, and and mostly on his field goals he was fine. It was a very weird season where he just could not almost get right with the extra points. It it was bizarre because if you look at his field goal numbers. He was 25 to 27. He was better percentage-wise than he was the year prior. Like he had 92.6% of his kicks, his field goals. And, and so I think, like, I feel fine about him. Like, I just think it was a weird thing with the extra points where he just all of a sudden it was he, – he was better. This is an amazing statistic. Harrison Bucker hit 92.6% of his field goals. He had 88.9% of his extra points. Like, what? I, I mean, it, that is insane. And now everyone knows, look, okay, an extra point at 33 yards. He was 9 of 9 between 30 and 39 yards last year on field goal attempts. Like, I, I think it was just a mental thing. I really do. Like, 2 of 2 inside 19 yards, 7 of 7 inside uh, 20 to 29 yards, 9 of 9, 30 to 39 yards. He was only three of five from 40 to 49, but was perfect four of four, 50 plus. I mean, I really, you know, he had 70, 76% of his kickoffs for touchbacks, which was much higher than the year prior. The year prior was only 61%. So I think he's fine. Like, I, I, I love how well he's kicked, you know, by, and, and I'll, I always measure kicker by this, and I always will. Okay, and this is growing up with Len Elliott. Okay, this is how this is why I measure this. In a huge moment, do I think he's going to hit it? I think Bucker will. I mean, he's hit. He's he's been in in the battles with them, and he's always been good in the playoffs. I, always been good in the playoffs. I, I so to me, like 
if I believe in him in those spots, then I believe in him. And all told, I do think that, yeah, yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a very good kicker. By the way, to back up my assertion, in his career, in the playoffs, 32 of 34 on extra points, he made six of seven last year. And last year, kicking field goals, he was seven of eight. He missed one against Cleveland. Ironically, from the distance of an extra point. So go figure. But yeah, I mean, I look, man, he's he's been terrific in the playoffs. And to me, as long as he's that, then I, I fully believe he's got a great leg. So yeah, I'm, I'm good with him. All right. Before we get out of here, the moment you've all been waiting for. I got my hands on a box of the Cosmic Brownie cereal from, from Little Debbie. Uh, this is the most anticipated cereal release of the year on yeah. this podcast. Um, I'm ashamed I didn't uh, get to this first. But yeah. there, there, there's still time. But so, all right. You, got, you heard my review of the, of the oatmeal cream pie Little Debbie cereal, which I thought was pretty much trash. Yeah. And I, I had... When I saw when I got a look at this cereal and what it looked like, I got nervous because it looked a lot like the same cereal shape and everything as the oatmeal cream pie cereal. And I was like, ah crap, like it's just gonna be the exact same thing. So I I I've got three notes here. It has a weird fake chocolate cereal smell, which is like pretty standard, but it's it's pretty yep. strong. So I don't recommend sniffing it before you eat it. Uh, it just doesn't smell like chocolate. It smells like weird fake cereal chocolate. Um, it doesn't look at all like cosmic brownie, like pieces, you know, the sprinkles are, I don't are give barely a damn visible. how it smells and looks. How does it taste? <laughs> it, it, it tastes pretty much like cocoa puffs, but like a, like a, a generic version of cocoa puffs. So not terrible. But does it, it doesn't, here's the thing. These, if you're going to put oatmeal cream pies or cosmic brownie on a, on a box of cereal and sell it to people, the expectations are, are really high, right? Like if this was called chocolate puff cereal and I, and I had it and I'd be like, yeah, it's pretty good. It's fine. Like it's not something I'm coming back for. It's not cookie crisp or something like that. So my rating for this is I've, I've eaten about four bowls of it. I, I, I usually eat my cereal with almond milk. I even went out and bought 1% milk. I, I give it a fair percent rating, like have some actual milk this morning. I'm giving it two CT crunches. It's fine. It's nothing to write home about. It's the, 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 the zero to five scale CT crunch scale. But I, should you run out and buy this because it says Cosmic Brownie on it? No, it's... It's just not that good. It's just buy Cocoa Puffs. If you want good chocolate cereal, get a box of Cocoa Puffs. Are you are you disappointed? No, no, no. I mean, kind of what I expected. Look, Cocoa Puffs is an elite cereal. Cocoa Puffs is Patrick Mahomes, and apparently Cosmic Brownie is like the generic knockoff version of Patrick Mahomes, which is, I don't know. Josh Allen. Josh Allen. <laughs> <laughs> the Josh Allen of cereal. That hurts. Uh, I don't know who that's more offensive to, Josh Allen or Cosmic Brown. <laughs> um, yeah, so, I mean, look, I, you know, I, one of these days I'm going to just make a cereal. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get into the business, and I'm just going to call it, like, not bullshit. And then just right. see, like, and then just throw in, like, look, it's, you know, you know what actually, all right, so you know when, you know how they have, like, those mini boxes of cereal that come in, like, an eight-pack? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The samplers. Not even enough for a damn bowl of cereal. Like, 
just a disgraceful yeah. effort by them. Yeah. Okay, look, what they really should do, because now they make cereal in like four different sizes, they should really give me a box. And I, and I don't know if these companies are. I, they obviously the cereals have to be made of the same company, so I don't know if these these qualify. But give me a box where there's two more like vertically shaped bags instead of one rectangle. Maybe it's just like two skinny rectangles. Give me two bags, one Cocoa Puffs, one Cinnamon Toast Crunch in the same box. Oh, that's good. And then if I pour left, it's Cocoa Puffs. If I pour right, it's Cinnamon Toast Crunch. <laughs> so you can get both. You know, what? back when we were working in the office and we had we had Lucky Charms and oh, CT Crunch, there were some days I would go in there and I wouldn't know which one I like wanted. And there were a couple of days I just put, I did half and half. CT yeah, Crunch, Lucky fine. Charms. My it wife does that all the time. She mixes it up. Yeah. Look. And the other thing, and, and we've been saying this, and I'm actually right after we do this, I swear to God, I'm going to get off here and send an email. Like, Count Chocula, I need you in more than October. Yeah, I want it now. It's June. It's hot as hell outside. We're sitting here talking about can the cheese go 20? There is nothing going on in my life. <laughs> I need Count Chocula. It's yeah. a damn good cereal, and Lucky Charms is a bastardization of it. Like, look, it's fine, but I want Count Chocula. Like, yeah. give me count- chocolate chocolate milk with marshmallows, and yet I'm robbed because, oh, it's only good in Halloween. No, 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 no. Seasonal. No. Get out of Nonsense. here. Nonsense. Give me Count Chocula. I checked if they had a Twitter account. They do not, which is ridiculous. Um, I think it's General Mills. I've tweeted at them before, and I was trying to rally the troops on Twitter, and people weren't getting behind me. We need Count Chocula year-round. It's an outrage that I can go out there and I can buy a box of Kicks or whatever, and I can't get Count Chocula when I want it. It drives me nuts. Come on now with this. This is nonsense. Give me a... I was so desperate. I went on Amazon to see if I could get it. Yeah, yeah. It it drives me nuts. And yet we're going to sit here and and, and wait till what, October? Meanwhile, though... Hey, you know, you want if you want friggin' godforsaken oatmeal cream pie cereal, which right. sucks, you know, we can go get that tomorrow. Which, by the way, just you know, it's already fifteen percent off the uh, little Debbie's cream because it sucks. Yeah, it's terrible. It's all gimmick. It's gimmick. We're falling for it. Let me tell you what I'm gonna do. Uh, if if we get if we get ten reviews, ten new reviews. On the Arrowhead Attic podcast. So this is for you hardcore listeners. We may not because it's a, we're at an hour and seven minutes and we're talking, we're talking about cereal for about eight minutes. So I'm sure most of you have stopped listening. But Listen, if there's if anybody out there. If you want to tune out, But if you want cereal, then we're here. If there's any of you out there still. If we get 10 new reviews by the next Thursday when we... When we actually, so I'm going to be out next week because we're closing on the house. We're moving. So I'm not going to be here next week. So it's either either there won't be a show or Verderam's going to go solo or find find somebody. To, but, but listen, if when, by the time I get back, if we have ten new reviews on the podcast on Apple Podcasts, written reviews, I will go out. I will buy a I will buy actual cosmic brownies. I will break them up into pieces, and I will put them in a bowl of milk, and I will film it, and I will eat it, and I will put it out on Twitter. And I will let you know. I'll give a live review of what what I was hoping for when they said that there was going to be a cosmic brownie cereal. So if you want to see that, if you want to see me gain five pounds in real time, ten reviews for the podcast. Also, 
as a, as a last note here, I just looked this up because I, I really need a hobby. General Mills headquarters in Minneapolis. You can drive oh, up okay. there and change. Okay. A protest? But also, also, General Mills, one of the one of the um manufacturing plants, apparently ten minutes from my house. I mean feels like an opportunity. I, this we, we we need to buy the domain count chocula year round now dot com <laughs> and we could get a, it's it's safe now if you're vaccinated let's get a crew let's get a posse let's go out there with signs like look i'm verified on twitter i got twelve and a half thousand followers like maybe i just changed my name for like a week from like mad verdant to count chocula and i just slap a new icon in there and i just start tweeting at general mills and i'm like hey i'm still here I need to be produced here. Like, just really screw with whoever the hell the social media coordinator is over there. Uh, I'll do it too. Let's 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 maybe we could start a movement where everybody changes their their their. <laughs> it's June. We don't have anything else to do. Let's let's see if we can get we can so get enough people on board. Yeah, use the power hey, of the internet. You never know. I remember you know after and we'll close on this. After uh, two years, ago, I believe it was March Madness. We had a we had a company pool. I happened to get lucky and win. And our, our wonderful video producer, Hunter Armour, was, uh, he and I kind of came in first and second. We were going back and forth. And he's like, look, I'll buy you lunch if you win. Well, I won. And afterwards, he's like, well, the hell with you. I'll buy you McDonald's. So I tweeted at McDonald's completely as a joke. I was like, hey, like, or, you know, I was, I actually, I just tagged them. I didn't tweet at them. I tagged them and I'm like, Looks like I'm going to get McDonald's for free today. Like Hunter's paying up, whatever. Some some benign thing like that. McDonald's saw the tweet, reached out to me via email. They ended up coming to the office, set up a mini golf situation, brought in tons of chicken nuggets and hamburgers and cheeseburgers. They brought in an ice cream station. All, all for nothing. All because I just so happened to tag them. They brought a whole team of people down and fed fansided for the day. It was unbelievable. You never know. The power of Twitter. It truly is amazing. Do you know who was off that day? You? It was me. Yeah. I didn't get a a single Big Mac. I didn't get a single fry. Nothing. And you stole the putter. I did. I was going to say, I did steal the putter. It's in my garage. stole the putter. Yeah. yeah. I took the putter. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when we moved... I left it in the office. I was a good soldier. I was like, but then we moved and it was just sitting in the closet. I'm like, nobody's this using putter, it. This is like a titleless putter. Like, I'm taking this thing. I'm the reason we had this thing, damn it. I'm taking it. And I, yeah. uh, you know, I waited for fans. I'd be like, hey, anybody see this putter? Nope. So it's now You're in good. the bag. You're safe. Good. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for sitting through an hour and 11 minute podcast in June. You are the true right. hardcore Arrowhead addicts, um, and we obviously need to learn to to be more brief. Um, we will uh, Verderam will maybe be back next week. You can you'll hear uh, Matt and Sterling. They'll be back early uh, next week. I will be moving into the new house. The next time you hear from me will be from my new uh, office in my new house. So very excited to to get settled and be back in Chicago. Uh, if you like this podcast, head over to Apple Podcasts. Leave us a five star review over there. We will read any question you ask us on the podcast. We appreciate your support. For Matt Verderam, I'm Patrick Allen. Thank you for listening. And as always, go Chiefs.
are the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase. It's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.